So in this podcast episode, I'm going to teach you guys how to get a suntan without getting sunburnt. So I used to live in Oregon for about four years because I, that's where I went to college. And coming from Hawaii and going to Oregon was a dramatic difference in, in, in a bunch of things. But the biggest difference was the amount of sun exposure. Or I should say, the lack of sun exposure in Oregon. So by the time we got there for school, which starts latter part of August, getting into September, things were great. And I kid you not, once, uh, I want to say mid part of September, getting into October, I did not see the sun again till April. And... I didn't really understand the profound effect of the sun and and how it affected me from a physical standpoint. And I thought it was just all, you know, because I was in school, I was getting tired. But I started to have all these issues. I started to notice that I was having like panic anxiety attacks. My gut started to get all weird. I would have like minor signs of depression and I didn't really realize what was going on. And I was only a freshman, you know, I'm here 18 years old and I have no idea what's going on. And as I got further into my studies, I started to understand the role that the sun played in your health. And that's what really got me understanding or diving into how does the how does the sun affect our health? And now, in Oregon, or at our school, at Pacific University, in April, we always had our annual luau. And the thing that would happen every single April is that everybody that was performing in luau would try and go and get a suntan because we were ghostly looking by the time April rolled around. And um, we would get like this one, maybe two weeks of cloud clearing and and you would see everybody out in the quad area sun tanning and for being ghostly white at the time everybody would burn and so you would walk into you'd walk into luau and everybody was red uh and that that was a funny memory that i knew and, and now you know, as this podcast is being released, we're heading into spring. More people are going to be spending time outdoors. They're going to be doing like what we were doing in Oregon, trying to get some sun. And because we've been sheltered and indoors, lack of sun, maybe just over, you know, cloud coverage. Everybody's going to get burnt. Why? Because everybody's going to try and do too much. They want to get tan yesterday. They want to get beach body ready yesterday. So they're out in the sun. And instead of uh, staying and, you know, and creeping their way in and working their way in, like what I'm going to teach you in, in this podcast, they stay out. And I see this all the time here in Hawaii. We got a lot of tourists that come into Hawaii and, and we go down to the beaches and I watch them and they're just laying out in the sun. And they get up and they're just burnt to a crisp. And then sometimes that can be really immediately detrimental and long-term it can be detrimental, 
right? So there's there's a lot of lot of things that we got to be doing to help our body to get into condition to be out in the sun, you know. And we've we've been accustomed to wearing sunblock, you know, when when heading outdoors, and everybody kind of understands that. But there are some things that we got to be doing to condition our our, our bodies, and the reason why we want to do that is because you know we haven't been exposing ourselves to to the sun for a long time especially for those that live in northern climates if you burn yourself consistently you predispose yourself for you know the three main types of skin cancers which is squamous cell basal cells and melanomas but the conundrum that we all face is that we need UV exposure to produce vitamin D. And I, and I talked about this in, in another podcast about the importance of vitamin D. It's linked towards hormonal balance. But if we need the sun to produce vitamin D, yet if we get too much sun, then we could predispose ourselves to skin cancers. But yet we need the sun to produce vitamin D, which is an anti-cancer. You can see this catch twenty two that we that we <laughs> that we're in, right? This is a little conundrum here. We need the sun to produce vitamin D to prevent cancer. Yet by getting sun, we pre- we predispose ourselves to possibly get skin cancer. Weird. Well, there's a reason why. We got to condition our body. We got to condition the skin to be exposed to the sun. Okay. So that's what we're going to talk about in today's podcast. And I want everybody to understand that we're all solar powered, right? You didn't, you didn't see um, human beings slathering on sunscreen 500,000 years ago. We walked around in the sun. We, 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 you know, we hunted and gathered food out in the sun all day long because we had our own built-in, and we still do. People forget this. We have our own built-in sunscreen called melanin. So if you lived closer to the equator, you expressed higher amounts of melanin just to protect against the high amounts of UV that we were being exposed to. And then as we moved out of the equatorial regions towards the northern latitudes and the southern latitudes, then we didn't have a need for melanin. We actually decreased the melanin expression you know, in those northern and southern latitudes so that we could get the benefit of UV radiation to create vitamin D. But our natural inbuilt-in sunscreen is melanin. Now, I'm not always an advocate for wearing sunblock because we still need that UV to create vitamin D. And we're going to talk about vitamin D and I'm going to have a whole other podcast dedicated towards vitamin D and optimizing it and why supplementing with vitamin D is not the same as producing your own vitamin D or getting it from a food source. We're going to talk about that in another podcast episode. So let's jump right into it. What do we do? First step I always recommend for people is just get your vitamin D levels tested. It's very simple and it's very inexpensive to get your vitamin D levels tested and you can get this from most labs. I know that there's a lab called Everly Well. They, they sell theirs right now. I think it's like 49 bucks. So get your vitamin D levels tested. Now, 
caveat to that, they're testing the inactive form, but it gives us something, right? It gives us something to look at and 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 base, you know, that just gives us our baseline. So that will then inform us, okay, if there's low levels of inactive, then I can guarantee you there's low levels of inactive. So we can infer from that. But this is a good place to start. Get your vitamin D levels tested. Okay. And optimally, we want it some, somewhere over like 45, 55. You want it somewhere above that. You know, I, I've seen some patients, they're actually in the hundreds. Um, pretty phenomenal. But the majority of the patients that I see are sub 20. In the teens, I've seen some people three, four, very, very low. And, you know, they have the accompanying health issues that comes along with that. So first step, get your vitamin D levels tested. Then next one is you're going to download an app called DMinder. What this does is it makes things a little bit simpler because the one question that that I always get from people is, well, how long should I stay out in the sun? And what this app does for you is it takes into account where you are on the earth. It tracks your geographical location, and then it, it, it computes what is your UV index exposure currently according to the the day and the time and then it tells you according to your skin type and how much skin is being exposed to the sun it tells you how long you should stay in the sun so it gives you an estimate of how long you should stay in the sun and it has like little alarm that will tell you you've reached your maximum point consider stopping your exposure and then you can choose to ignore it or you can you can choose to obey it but it gives you it gives you a, a, a you know a good heads up of hey you've you've reached your maximum exposure for today because a lot of times what we've done is we've gone out into the sun and we just go to the point where we feel like yeah that's enough and a lot of times we end up getting burnt we may not see ourselves being burnt right then and there we get home that night, next day, you're burnt. So what we want to do is we want to slowly increase. And, we, and I'm talking, we're going to talk about this in, in the next couple of slides on what to be doing about that. Anyways, so the DMinder app will, will inform you on your length of, of how long you should be out in the sun. And then in the previous episode, I talked about the circadian rhythms and when to time your exposure for your sun. Uh, we, we want to, for those that are just starting out, we want to use the book ends of the day. So morning time, sun exposure and afternoon, evening time, sun exposure. That's where we want to start with middle of the day. We want to limit our, our time outdoors just because that's the time when if you spend a lot of time out there and you're going you're gonna to get burnt, okay? So just, just note that. Now we want to develop that solar callus. Okay? This is how we start to condition the skin to sun exposures. And as we do this, it allows you to stay out in the sun longer and it allows you to not get burnt. So what you're going to do, like I said, condition yourself, get morning and evening sun exposures, and you can use the DMinder app during that time. And it'll tell you, yay, the UV index right now is three, four, and it'll give you a time frame of how long you can stay in, stay out in the sun during that time. 
a good trick that you can do is using a red light panel before you go out and after you get out of the sun. This starts to condition the, the skin even more. If you don't have a red light panel, you can go to the, the description and in, in, in the, or, or the link in the, or if you don't have a red light panel, you can go to the description below or in the show notes, and there'll be a link to the red light panels that I currently recommend. Another thing that you can do is taking a cold shower before and after sun exposure, because what that's going to do is stimulate circulation. And what the circulation is going to do is bring red blood cells and red blood cells will absorb a lot of the UV and it'll start to stimulate the production of melanin and also decrease the amount of inflammation that, that's going on as well. So like I said, you shouldn't be out in the sun to, to the point where your skin gets burnt, right? For, for some people, if you are fair skin, five minutes, you can get burnt especially you have a UV index over six. Okay? So just note that you don't have to go out for a long time. Okay? So you want to start slow and then increase over time. Again, minding yourself that you're not getting burnt. Now, one of the things that I do recommend when you're doing this is to make sure you're not wearing sunglasses, prescription glasses, contacts, anything that's blocking UV from hitting your retina. Because you need the UV radiation to hit your retina, right? We, there, there, there's photoreceptors within the retina called melanopsin, and, and they yoke the skin and the retina together to enhance the production of vitamin D and the developing of your solar callus. Okay, so you want to make sure that you're not blocking the light that's hitting your retina and, and having a disproportionate amount of hitting your skin. They have to be the same. You guys are going to get sick and tired of hearing this from me, but you got to optimize the gut health. And the reason being is in a previous podcast, I talked about the microbiome and vitamin D production. So if we don't have a proper functioning microbiome, we're not going to have adequate levels of vitamin D. The, the gut microbiome is an inter, integral player, right? Very integral player for the vitamin D production. Um, so getting a diet rich in prebiotics, probiotic foods, so fermented foods, foods that that have, you know, soluble fibers, um, resistant starches, all of those things will help to optimize the gut, the gut microbiome, get it more micro, uh, the microbiome being more diverse because you need that diversity to increase vitamin D production. And in a previous podcast, I talked about a study that that showed that. And, you know, the gut microbiome is one of the first steps in vitamin D metabolism. So it goes from an inactive form to its active form and then just gets recycled into the enterohepatic circulation. And the, the gut microbiome is regulating calcium absorption as well, which plays an integral part in vitamin D. But as you guys are going to see later on at the end of this, I talk about some troubleshooting tips of what happens maybe if you get hives or welts um, or, or, or like sun, you know, sun rashes, all of those is an integral part that plays, that the gut plays in that. So there's a lot of research studies and, and I listed just a few here. 
Um, you know, the Journal of Clinical Endocrinology and Metabolism showed that, you know, if you supplemented with lactobacillus ruteri, that it would actually increase the vitamin D levels in, in your blood. Um, because what, the, what, the, what that probiotic does is it increases the expression of the genes that's involved in vitamin D metabolism. Pretty, pretty phenomenal stuff. You know, there was another study in, in the Journal of Investigative Medicine. They found that the gut microbiome plays a crucial role in vitamin D absorption and utilization. So this is very important, especially in the Northern climates when you don't have a lot of sun exposure, but you still need adequate amounts of vitamin D with circulating within the blood. And this is why, you know, when a lot of people, they talk about vitamin D supplementation. I'm like, yeah, I don't know about, about that because it's not the same thing as getting it from the sun and also getting it from the food. And we're gonna talk about that in the vitamin D episode. So now if you have to be outdoors for longer periods of time, now you want to consider sunblock. So you want to get sun first, get the skin conditioned. And then if you have to be out longer, you know, then use, use sunblock methods. I would start with sunblock clothing. So SPF clothing, uh, different covering options, long sleeve hats. The, um, you can put on sunglasses then, but I would use sunblock as a last line. And if you are going to use sunscreen, my favorite one to use is Raw Element. Um, their, their handle is Raw Element USA. You can go to their website, Raw Elements. And they're, when you start using it, it's not like your typical sunscreen. This is a little thicker and it's a little, um, it's a little bit different than your typical sunscreen. But one, you're not poisoning yourself. And two, you're not poisoning the reefs. And especially if you're coming to Hawaii, we, we got to protect our reefs. So, um, Note of that. Here are some foods that can help prevent sunburn. I, I listed out a bunch of foods and, and the links as well that show that the studies have shown that these foods can help prevent sunburn. So stuff like tomatoes, watermelons, grapes, green tea, cacao, berries, uh, like strawberries, raspberries, cranberries, and anything that has astaxanthin. So stuff like shrimp, crab, Salmon, microalgae are very high in astaxanthin. And astaxanthin is, is one of the biggest players for uh, preventing sunburn. And it's also a really great antioxidant, good for your eyes as well. But if you're utilizing these foods and all the rest of the things that I've been teaching you, you're going to prevent the sunburn from occurring. So let's move on to some troubleshooting tips, some things you may run into when you start implementing these things. I know a lot of patients when they start going out into the sun and they haven't been out in the sun for a while, they've experienced either like sun rashes, hives, welts, or just getting burnt very easily because their skin's not accustomed to it. Typically, this is involved with an imbalance between calcium in the tissues and essential fatty acids. So a lack of essential fatty acids like DHA is, is a really big one. And if, if we run a test called the omega-6 to omega-3 ratio test, we often see that this ratio is higher than it should be. And some patients, though, their, their levels will be like 15 to 1. Some are 20 to 1. We want to see it under like 5 to 1, 4 to 1. Those are the most optimal levels of omega-6 to omega-3. When it's above 10, 15, 20, 
you are in a pro-inflammatory state. So now, whenever you go out into the sun or anything else, but especially if you go out into the sun, your body is going to be in a hyper-inflammatory state. So if you are burning easily, you have a lot of hives, welts, sun rashes, you are probably high in omega-6s. So we got to take some time to decrease that omega-6 count you know, from the foods that you're intaking and also increase the omega-3s that you're intaking. We also want to look at the balance between the calcium and the essential fatty acids. And like I alluded to earlier, there's more of a deficiency in the essential fatty acid portion. So this ties into the omega-6, omega-3 to where you need to increase the amount of DHA that you're getting. So stuff like oysters, uh, small fatty fishes, all of those those things that contain high levels of DHA will help your your um, your body to adjust to getting the sun and not getting burnt as easily. Now, some patients they may go out into the sun a lot. You may live towards the equatorial regions, and you may get a lot of sun. And you'll run a vitamin D test, and you'll see well, my vitamin D levels are still low. And some people are confused by this. I have a lot of patients that have done this. They, you know, they, they just aren't, they just can't wrap their heads around why their vitamin D levels are so low. And one of the primary reasons we find is that their skins are not hydrated enough because you need a properly hydrated skin in order for vitamin D to form from the UV exposing, you, the skin being exposed to the UV radiation and cholesterol binding with that UV and, and, and creating this pro-hormone where vitamin D is now becoming an, uh, a pro-hormone to become activated in the liver and then in, in the kidney as well. But it all starts within the skin. And if the skin's not hydrated enough, then it's, it's very difficult for cholesterol and UV to become that pro-hormone. So we got to make sure that we're hydrating our skin um, properly. Now, the easiest way that people are getting dehydrated is that they're in a high non-native EMF environment. And what this does is it dehydrates your skin, right? If you think about if you've ever used a microwave and you put like a steak in it, the steak will come out dry. If you use chicken or whatever, whatever protein in, in, that you put in the microwave, you find that it will come out dry. And what's happening in the microwave is that the protein is being dehydrated and it just becomes leathery. So this is what happens to your skin as well. If you are in a high non-native EMF environment, your skin's being dehydrated, you go out into the sun and you just don't make enough vitamin D from the UV exposure. Now, another one that I didn't, I didn't talk about earlier was that vitamin D supplementation can also decrease the amount of vitamin D you produce because the body thinks that it doesn't need to make it. So this is why I'm not a very big proponent of taking like synthetic vitamin D forms. I mean, on, on a lab test, it, it may show that you've actually increased your vitamin D levels when you've, you've, if you've had low vitamin D levels, but you're not allowing your body to make the proper amounts of vitamin D. And in actuality, the best form of it is being from the sun. So 
some reasons why you may have low levels of, of vitamin D is that you, you're not hydrated enough, but also if you're taking vitamin D, the synthetic forms, you'll, you most likely will not make um, enough vitamin D. And you'll see this if you take a lab test and your vitamin D levels may be low, even if you're being exposed to the sun. Now, some medications can actually make you more sensitive uh, to the sun, right? We've seen this uh, in, in patients where um, that they're taking some type of antidepressant or like St. John's Ward, they tell you not to go out into the sun because you may be more photoreactive. So I, I put out a list here. And if you're, if you're listening on the podcast, you may want to go to the, the YouTube channel. And there's a, there's a whole list of these medications that if you're taking it could make you more sensitive. And we found a, a bunch of patients where they say, you know, I tell them you need to increase your sun exposure. Um, and they did not disclose that they were taking some of these medications or they didn't think that uh, these medications were worth uh, disclosing because they were some, some of them were over the counter. And they didn't know that it would react with sun. So things like uh, antibiotics, diuretics, uh, NSAIDs, retinoids, antidepressants, antipsychotics, and even oral contraceptives. All of these will have an impact on how sensitive you are to the sun and may make you more prone to being sunburned. Now, what if you do get burnt? You go out and maybe you've done some of these things or maybe you haven't. What do you do if you get burnt? Well, there's a couple things that I list here that you can implement if you get burnt. Okay? And a lot of you guys know some of the more common things um, using stuff like aloe vera gel um, or any type, you know, like a cooling rag or whatever. But if you can increase your intake of astaxanthin-rich foods, that will help to decrease that, that inflammatory uh, reaction in the body. Red light therapy, that's like my go-to. You got to be using red light therapy. Uh, if you haven't invested in one as of yet, go to the link in the description or in the show notes. And there's, there's a link to the red light panels that we use. Taking collagen supplements can also help. Uh, grounding, because grounding will just decrease the amount of inflammation in your body. And then also topical CBD oil. I did a whole podcast episode with Dr. Monaco talking about CBD oil. Um, and, and she has a, a really great line. So go and check, check out that episode where we talk about CBD oil and all of its anti-inflammatory properties. So I hope this was very informative for you and, um, and, and you got something out of it. And I, and I want you guys to take away that we need to have sun exposure, right? The, the different doctors around, you know, for the last, what, 70, 80 years have really demonized getting sun exposure. And I want to tell you guys, that's, that's an improper thing. We need to be getting sun exposure for optimal health benefits, because that's, that, that's one of the things that just drives cellular function. So now you understand that. And I went through all of the things that you need to be doing and some of the, some of the steps that you should be doing coming into summer we got to be doing these things for overall optimal health. So I hope this helps. If it did, share this um, you know, with all your friends and family. And if you're not yet subscribed to the channel, hit that subscribe button. If you're not following on the podcast, follow the podcast. And if you, if you do feel inclined to, 
leave us a five-star review. That's how we can grow this and all that kind of stuff. And if you're not following me on Instagram, follow me on Instagram. I post a lot of my stuff there. I'm also on, you know, all the other socials, TikTok, Twitter. You can find me pretty much anywhere. My handle is usually always triple play doc. Yeah, I think uh, I think all of them are, are all triple play doc. So you can find me anywhere. Reach out to me if you have any questions. Uh, till the next time, be well and aloha. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a five-star review. Connect with me on Instagram at triple play doc. Stay tuned for more episodes. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell the entire world. Till the next episode, be well and aloha.